I would, I would rather tell others go walk into their favorite stores that sell books and go look at those covers and, and see what's working on tables. That's what's going to sell. This episode is brought to you by my book, Get Your Stuff Done. Review what's inside and purchase it at isoldatee.com slash get your stuff done. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Whether you're writing the first sentence of a book or solving the climate crisis to get people's attention, you need to tell your story creatively. On the show, I interview peak performers who are coming up with those creative stories and solutions. Through creativity, compassion, and collaboration, they're changing the world. I also bring you ideas and techniques to unlock your potential to do the same. And now, let's get to the show. Hey there, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Super, super happy that you're here. Thrilled to have back one of my favorite guests. Angela Engel is here, and I'm so excited. She launched the Collective Book Studio because she wanted to build a different kind of publishing business, one that adhered to the author's vision every step of the way. Her experience in traditional publishing allows her to introduce beautiful books into the world, and she brings her passion for reading and sharing new ideas into every new project she undertakes. Angela, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Hi, I'm so glad and um, really honored to be back on the show. You are the best. I'm so <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on the show. And uh, the the one thing I mean, we we've we spent a fair amount of time chatting about sort of the the business end of the book collective studio. The last time you were on the show, and if you've listened to it uh, already, then you can if you can know that. And if you haven't, then go back and get that information because Angela uh, is amazing and gives incredible information. But I want to talk about something that's a little bit different with you, Angela. First of all, I'd love to find out how you are. You just mentioned there's a huge rainstorm, but what else is going on? On a little bit of a personal note, what's going on with you? How are things going? Oh, um, yes. I'm in the Bay Area, so there's like rain and everything uh, today. And I was like, oh, let's like make sure, you know, everyone's well, on a personal note, I have three girls and we didn't have enough umbrellas this morning. There was a fight over who got the right umbrella. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> and my high schooler won because she has to stand at the bus. Um, but <laughs> on, a, on a personal note, you know, my business has really grown since we last talked. We do about 30 titles a year. Um, the children's space has really taken off for us, I think, because fabulous. Um, we've won quite a lot of awards, both, and we even became a a STEM uh, finalist in uh, the Children's Book Council, which was a huge honor for Little Loon Finds His Voice. So I think it's just been wonderful. Uh, The partnerships we are seeing with libraries and booksellers um, just continues to grow. That is so fabulous. And I'm a huge, I worked at NASA for many years doing environmental education K through 12. So anything that is STEM education to get kids excited about some of that stuff is incredible to me. What are some of the challenges that you're running into, if if there are any, of of sort of getting kids excited through books in 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 those STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, and math? Mm, that's a really good question. I mean, you know, I tend to in in the children's space um, probably publish more 
you know, fiction than obviously nonfiction, but so to take fiction, but use back matter that is important to the teachers, I think is a really an important way to sort of get kids thinking about they're reading this story about loon calls or they're reading something on social emotional learning. And then it's the back matter that then they can apply back into the, the classroom. But it's that uh, allowing that fiction, that story to take the kid to the a world they love to be right we all love to that's the beauty about fiction often absolutely and you know it's interesting to me uh, when i worked at nasa my boss was a soil scientist and she would say bring me anything anything in the known universe and i can relate it somehow back to soil and i would i would say quasars and she's like well here's how they relate to soil and she would tell these wonderful stories all about how this little bit of soil could could interact or might have interacted at some point with a quasar or with the moon or with water that is around around on the other side of the planet things like that and so it gets you excited and when we're writing we need to i think write to that excitement that building that engagement and excitement especially in kids so when you're doing that when you're working with these authors and you say for example that you want to adhere to the author's vision i have a strange little question for you what happens when the author's vision sort of is counter to what would be best practice in publishing either for education or just for the general public ah uh, that's a great question i mean this is where I've been quoted before. I've said our authors choose us as much as we choose them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. It is partnership publishing. Uh, some people call that hybrid, but I sort of take every single project and some of the things I invest myself and my own resources in, some are fully invested. I mean, I would say my entire list, I am invested because if you go into the trade, you have access to my marketing uh, department and and staff there and overhead there. Um, but um, so I already know that for me, if that author is, it's pretty clear when that author needs a self-published platform or if they really want to try an agent in traditional, even at time of submission. Mm -hmm. um, and then when an author i've learned along the way that when i have given in the sales are not there mm. so now i have i have more data so i'm now going into year five so maybe two years ago i may have said fine let's just do that the author is very very like digging their heels in and i've i've definitely been very clear with these authors like hey this is our side here's what we think the cover should go and um, I think now um, I'm even more clear as I do submissions and those upfront conversations with authors that there is um, ultimately we're a publisher and we're here to do business and we're here in the trade market that is extremely different than an online platform. Um, and so we, you need, we're, you're coming to us because we we're experts. We're from the traditional space. And ultimately my particular company we generate more money from our um, book, book sales than we do from our creative fees. So it is imperative that the book sells for my particular uh, company. Yes. 
for your particular company or for your particular business model? Because your business model is different than a lot of other publishing companies. <laughs> from, yes, that's true. Thank you for that clarity. I, uh, yes, it is absolutely true for my business model. So, you know, there, I don't know if Jane Friedman has this chart and I've actually argued I am not on that chart. Like, hmm. and I've been placed actually called out on it in under the hybrid space. And there's a bullet point that actually said these companies um, make more money off of creative fees. And I'm going, has she ever talked to me? Has she ever <laughs> looked at my PL? Has she ever seen where my books are in anthropology, the stores, papyrus? Uh, well, no, sorry, papyrus no longer exists. I meant, I meant paper source. Uh -huh. um, they're in paper source, the actual stores. They've been in Costco. They're they're in Sam's Club. You know, I depend on um, the book clubs, like Literati. We have a huge order going into Literati book clubs. Like, so I I, I challenge that, right? Mm -hmm. I challenge that stereotype about hybrid publishing um, because I think it's too nuanced. Publishing is new is very very nuanced, and you have to understand the players. And um, for me, I tell authors this, I say, you have to figure out your why. And when you figure out your why of publishing a book, you're going to probably figure out what kind of company you need to go with. And, and that makes so much sense to me. And it's perfectly, it perfectly dovetails into this follow-up question. This notion of some people just want to have sort of, you know, you could say vanity press. They just want to know that they've written a book or they <laughs> want to use it for uh, for their speaking career, for example. And so how how differently would you treat the process for someone who goes, I'm a professional speaker. I've written this book on how tying your shoelaces can change your life. And I that's all I want to do is I want to know that I have a book out so that I can say this book's on Amazon and I can charge $22,000 for speaking engagement, whatever, whatever, versus someone who's going, no, 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 there's, there's, a, there's a specific reason that I'm writing this book. How much, how much of a difference in how you interact with your authors is there when you're like, because I imagine the problems would be different, the challenges would be different. What what are those differences and how do you relate and work with those kinds of authors in those different situations? Um, so I think there's several things. Like I have an author right now who is a big speaker. We took on his book called Radical Business, uh, David Gaines. I actually was on his podcast and just really enjoyed being on his podcast. Um, I did not expect to even um, have this book on my list. What happened is he also became very uh, fond of two of my other authors who wrote Dear White Women. So I do a really good nonfiction space on like not just activism, but how we're really rethinking mm -hmm. um, and changing our mindsets as, as humans. Mm. And so her, his book called Radical Business was so interesting to me. And although, yes, he could have done like the shoelace example, right? Easily hired a bunch of people and put it on Amazon and had it in the back um, room for his speaking engagements. I mean, that is definitely a space a lot of people go. Mm -hmm. um, he wanted a team of experts to really provide him with not just what an Ingram Spark printing option uh really you could upload a pdf 
uh, like a school yearbook and get it printed. He really wanted off people from the inside to tell him how this book could actually reach a larger audience than his speakers, right? He is dedicated to the act of social entrepreneurship and how can social entrepreneurship be something interesting to a 24 year old getting out of the university in a bookstore and go, you know, I'm going to read this because I even care about where my, what I can do within um, my first job. Right. And I don't think that Amazon is uh, and that honestly, that self-publishing platform is getting to the audience that I do believe a company and a publisher like myself or, you know, even Forbes publishing or Amplify, those are those are hybrid companies mm -hmm. um, can get to. And it's so interesting to hear you say that, because when you're thinking about Amazon and what their model is, like down to if you write a book and you want author's copies, you can't get author's copies of your book until they're published on Amazon because Amazon wants to be first in in people oh. having the opportunity i know it's a very interesting little thing for me as someone who has published yeah 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 you can't until you publish your book and therefore give amazon first right to sell the book even if you just order your author copies right after uh you it'll take you weeks to get your author's copies in the meantime your book is out and so there's it's really interesting to me how their their business model is not designed to help the author their business model is designed to help themselves right and so oh when my god <laughs> yeah i mean yes and their business model not only is out not to help the author their business model is actually out to be a monopoly on the industry right okay. so they they would rather have the myth of you thinking if you if you paid a hybrid publishing house that's reputable that has distribution and for example, with me, with David Gaines's book, he is he already has advanced reader copies out, and I have an order in house for you know a, a large hundreds of copies that are going out to Barnes and Noble, right? And Barnes and Noble is going to have that book at the same time Amazon goes on sale. He's going to have his advanced reader copies and be able to be at a conference a week before actually Amazon has a pub date out because he's going to be at a conference. So that's a huge win for an author, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and that they can have those ready because conferences are going to happen regardless of when Amazon has it ready. Way too many people come to me and go, oh, I can't wait that long, Angela. I want, I'm a, I'm the, I have the best manuscript. I've already got it edited and I need the book by August. Okay, it's it's February and they want their book by August. The only really publisher that can do that is Amazon. Right. They don't care. They do not care if it's copy edited, if it's trade, they do not care what the cover is. Where I do care to the author and the, I say to them, I am not the right company for you. I do not have enough time to give you to be able to launch that correctly in the marketplace. And I think that right there is so important to launch it correctly, right? That's that's key there. So talk to me about that. What is launching a book correctly as far as you're concerned within your business model and what you do for your authors? Uh, so this is such a great question. I kind of alluded on when we talked a little bit before the podcast recorded that I have this author who um, is really incredible. She's written 
an, a, um, a teen writing quest, sort of a teen writing journal, as well as a young writers uh, for young kids. So I would say her uh, her sweet spot is like 11 years old or 10 years old to about 17. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she um, decided herself for personal reasons to go, she needed to go travel the world, which I get, right? Authors, you guys have to do stuff for your life. So <laughs> her pub, her public pub date was supposed to be next week. And, and um, I'm like, where is my author? So I ended up zooming with her yesterday, and she's halfway across the country. And I look at her on the scene and I said, are you really ready? Are you really prepared? You're not even here to be on podcasts, to really explain this brand, to be out. I was like to get it out into not just an Amazon space, but to the, you know, to the larger audience and get it sold through on the tables. And she said she wasn't ready. I said, so when you're coming back. So I did. I moved a lot of mountain, I feel. And we are pubbing it in May when we can hire a publicist and all mm. of this stuff. And she sent me the most beautiful email. And she said to me over the over Zoom, and she said, Angela, there is nobody like you that ever goes to bat for your authors like you do. And I said, listen, it is not favorable if your book just gets put up on Amazon and you're not ready to ask for those reviews and to be out there, to be out in a bookstore and holding up your book, to be doing Goodreads giveaways or whatever you need to do. It is not worth it for me as a publisher, because what it means is that you're just going to be buried in an algorithm and we will never get that those months back. Right. We like, it will be always based on that, those pre-launch sales, those are really important. Your community is really important. Your writing community is really important. If And you need to give yourself at least minimum four months lead time to like start seeding that market with your community. And if you, if you don't have that four months lead time, I would recommend postponing that book. And that's so fascinating to me because when when you're in it as an author, I mean, coming at it from my perspective, I write books. When I'm in it as an author, I write it and I want to I want to talk about it, and then I have 14 other books that I want to write. <laughs> you know, I, I literally have like seven in my head right now because I'm continuing series, blah blah blah. And so when you're looking at that, when you're looking at it from the perspective of this is the Creative Solutions podcast, what happens? between you and your authors in finding those lateral ways of thinking, you know, you were able to give this author another few months, like, hey, go get your go get your traveling yaya's out. That's great. Go do that. Take care of yourself. And and let's have this happen in May, which is terrific. But what happens if the author is going, okay, I've done what I can with this, and I can't focus it on it on it anymore? Is there, is, is, do you have strategies for handling that when, like, when an author is like me and goes, I've written this book and now I, all I want to do is go on to the next book. What do you do then? I have that situation as well. And I caution that we, some, we need to, I caution people to really focus on, if it depends on where you're at in a series, like if it's your debut if it's your first in a series, and I don't publish, mind you, um, fiction, adult fiction or memoir, 
Um, I publish like in a kids series would be an example, mm-hmm. but I really, or, or like a nonfiction um, self-help it might be your next, you know, um, you might be doing one on parenting and the next one you want to be doing um, just solely for example, on women and anxiety or something, you know, you want to, you want to be a little more uh, specific. I would probably ask the author to really dig into to their first book, their audience, and at least allow that first couple months of sales and and pre-orders to actually get into the marketplace um, to focus. I always say focus more your energy on being out there to the press, like go to your local newspaper, go to, you know, some book clubs, like really first do that because that the your first book is what's really going to help carry your next one. It just is. It's true. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I, I I couldn't agree more, especially as uh, as I write like the continuing books in my fiction series. But there's something that I'm very curious about with within what you're talking about. We're talking about hybrid publishing. We're talking about dealing with you know well authors like me who are temperamental and and fly by night and whatever whatever but there are there's another part of this that we're, we're we haven't touched on yet and that is how do you provide support to authors in this changing technological landscape like social media has changed a great deal uh nfts i don't know if they're gone now or if they're going to come back <laughs> at some point you know but but there was this rush of everybody should put out nfts and you're going to put out different versions of your cover as an nft and see if you can get people to get excited about it blah 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 how do you ride the those particular changing tides where technology dictates what we're able to do to such a great extent and social media and web3 and all of that how does someone like you with with the sort of partially traditional partially not model solve those issues when they crop up I love this question because I don't, I think your your audience and all of you authors are going to be surprised I don't. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. That's I know awesome. what we. I I know we are so good. We are the best at what we do, and all that hype is a lot of waste of time and money. I I we know there was a New York Times piece I think almost a year ago about all the big um, houses going after these big social media you know, influencers, the Instagram influencers to write a book, which you're spending a ton of money on a ghostwriter and all this other stuff. And then they notice the books don't even sell through, right? Mm. Or they don't even sell. My book, Little Loon Finds His Voice, she does not have a large Instagram following yet. It's one of my best selling children's books. It's won awards is because she is rooted in her, um, has been rooted in her, uh, what's a, uh, sorry, her writer community mm-hmm. for so long. She was traditionally published. I'm different than a typical hybrid. She did not invest a penny, Yvonne, in the book. She All she did is given gave me the manuscript and said I, she did not need an advance. So um, that, so I, uh, what I encourage authors to do is to do your research because there are a lot of bad players in the hybrid space. Mm. I am a publisher, meaning I have several books on my list where, especially in the children's space, that 
an author might not be having to spend, but you have to get rid of that royalty rate. And you're always spending something, to be honest. Like, you know, she's doing a lot of traveling and marketing and stuff on your own, but you, she did that anyway when she was traditionally published, okay? It's just the landscape has changed. So when I want to go back to your Web3 and NFT covers and, you know, all this stuff, look, Book talk sells books for sure. Focus yourself on getting your real book out on book talk that's beautiful and physical. And, you know, people walk into stores and go, I saw this book on book talk. I want it for sure. That's very, very, very different though than writing a, a technological uh, platform that really doesn't even understand publishing. Like, that to me, putting your cover over all this stuff, like, just it's like, smoke and mirrors to me personally i would i would rather tell others go walk into their favorite stores that sell books and go look at those covers and and see what's working on tables that's what's going to sell and I and I love that you said that because I go in there's Barnes and Noble kind of close to where I live and I go in there and I just that's what I do. I spend hours looking at book covers to see which books I'm interested in and which books I'm not interested in. And a lot of time I mean the cover just sells it it can and the cover and the back matter to me can will, will get me interested in an author for example that i've never read before but i i do want to i do want to say something about this and ask you a question about this you said that uh you know going to goodreads and getting that kind of stuff together and 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 working your community what is your advice to an author who's just starting out in that way i mean oh yes they can come to you and say help help me but but you mentioned that having a community and, and really being involved with that community is important how would an author do that if they're if they're new and they're they've decided to write this book how would they solve that problem of of i i don't i don't have a community what what would your advice be to the, someone like that this would be my first advice. I was just at Winter Institute at the American Booksellers Association. I just got back Wednesday night and I, I listened in on a very interesting panel um, of booksellers who the, the events, you know, who do who are amazing, like uh, Patricia, who does uh, politics and prose mm. and, you know, books, books and books was there. And um, anyway, um, this was their advice to authors go to bookstore events go in listen listen to the other authors go after them support them you have a local bookstore don't just say call a bookstore and go i love my book and an, and, and and have you ever even been in the bookstore or you've never seen um an author give a but give a bookstore event right but the cool part they said is if you go in and you support each other as authors, you're building community, meaning you show up, right, for one author event. They show up for you. They bring a friend. You guys all are starting to show up for each other. You're build. That's one great, easy way to build community, right? You go to your library. Library Libraries have incredible groups and communities start. So I would focus on look at your library programming, start going to some library programming. Um, if you live extremely far out and you don't have a great bookseller, there are still bookstores like Books, Books and Books in Miami who are doing virtual events. Join a virtual event. 
of a book reading and maybe chat the author afterwards or chat another author in the room and say, hey, um, would you mind to, if I sent you an early copy of the book, I would love a blurb from you. Authors actually often help sell other authors' books. Um, blurbs by other authors, readers read, right? If I'm a reader and I, for example, um, want to buy a cookbook, if, a sh if another cookbook by in that similar genre, like a vegetarian cookbook, if a chef that I know and love and follow is going to blurb that, I'm going to be like, oh, I should buy this debut cookbook also. I might not know who the author is, but I but I had already bought the other one. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I think that and the best way to do that, I know that you can be introverted. I know you can be shy. Just start sitting in the back of the room and taking notes. You you at least showed up. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that, for example, that I did for myself, I started my own writers group, I went, you know what, I I'm gonna I'm, a, I'm vegan. And so what I did is I went, I am gonna hit up all the vegans that I know, there's a group called vegans of New York City, 12,000 people strong. And I went, Hey, are there any vegan writers in this group? So I kind of made my 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 pool a little bit smaller because they're all vegans and a bunch of people said yes and now we have 80 people in the group and so that's a way and and when I was doing the book release for example this this past Tuesday we released our first anthology a bunch of people showed up in part because they're in the group so that's another way I think you could probably do it is to build community from that way even online especially if you are uh, living somewhere that isn't New York City or somewhere in in the San Francisco area where where there's just so many people. So there there is this very interesting uh, way that we can be using technology f to connect to make those connections, even if you can't be there in person. What are your thoughts on that? Um, so, so there's, so I have several thoughts on this. So you're saying, you know, how can you build community even if you can't be there? you can join Facebook groups, right? You can post the event on your Facebook or, you know, easily and say, hey, anybody in this area and support the author that way. I mean, just small little steps like that um, can really help uh, help authors. I think what I've noticed when authors are really, really great is that the day, their book birthday day, they, um, they have a few other author friends and they ask their author that day to like really post on their social media to tweet out, you know, the more eyeballs. So there's so many little things now, as we said, with the power of social media, we absolutely need it for authors. It's just how to use it strategically around those launch dates. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And it, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy to do it wrong. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I, if it's okay with you, Angela, I'd love to pivot just a little bit. And we of didn't course. chat about this beforehand. I don't know what your what your hard stop time is, but I would love to find out from you a little bit. You're you're a woman. You own a company. You have a family. You know, you have three kids. You're you're working hard. How do you how do you solve the problems that I'm sure inevitably crop up? when you are sort of faced with here's my business and it's having a problem and i also have these issues to deal with in my in my family life not that i want the details but how do you come up with ways what are you doing to think outside the box to manage both of those things simultaneously 
um, you know, I think that I've talked about this a little bit that you have to have uh, be agile. Um, you know, entrepreneurship is not um, is 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 tough, right? And so, just sure. like an author uh, building a community, I have to build a community. You know, and so. I'm part of, um, just like authors need to be part of author groups, I'm part of all three organizations. Um, the, I'm part of the Independent Publishers Caucus. I'm on the board of Pub West. I'm actually on the executive committee of, of that. And I'm also, I mean, I actually am a member of a women's publishing group. I'm a vector of a, a professional network group. So actually more than three. And then, of course, IBPA, which has a very large um, membership base. And I get something out of everything differently. I build my own community. Um, I really like talking to other independent publishers of all sizes, whether that's Sourcebooks or Gibbs Smith, um, you know, friends at Chronicle, or I have friends at Simon Schuster, to smaller publishers that maybe do only a few titles a year. Um, I get, we get each other. And, um, you know, I think being a mom of three kids allows me to um, have compassion for, and uh, I try to have patience <laughs> um, um, for myself and for, and have, and grace. And, um, you know, am I answering your question in a way that can make an author feel, I think, I think what the author has to remember is that the publisher is a business and, um, and, and, and in business um, we have to make sure everything can actually work economically, right? Not just for, for the author, but actually for the company and the staff. And so I have to have both in mind and that I'm an author advocate, but I'm also um, very clear that I have, that I'm a, I'm even more so an advocate for independent publishing. Mm. That is very different. Um, I'm an advocate for over self-publishing. I'm actually not a fan. I actually would prefer if authors started to research and look at incredible uh, independent la labels like Rare Bird Lit, for example, or Seven Stories, or Milkweed Editions. I mean, I could Soft Skull Press, uh, Beacon, Norton has been around for a hundred years and still independent. Like, I believe in the power of taking authors to really great independent presses because the more our books work, the stronger we will be against the big five in corporate publishing. That's so fascinating. I love I love the <laughs> distinction. No, it is because I love the distinctions you make there. And and it is so and it's and it's so hard for authors. But it's also a very, you know, it's a challenging time for anybody who's an entrepreneur. In part, we've got we've had the rise of the entrepreneur, but now we have to live with it. Right. So it's, it's a it's we have we have to come up with new and and innovative new creative ways to to do all of this in a way that is sustainable because if it's not yeah. sustainable then it's a hobby you know and and something you've said a couple of times in in this chat is you have to you have to treat your business like a business and that is it, it is hard to do if you don't have the mindset for that 
you know it you you keep you keep backsliding or at least i i used to i used to backslide a lot when i when well, i was treating my business more like a hobby than like a business yeah i mean listen i mean i don't mean to bash on self publishing but you're giving all your money to corp the largest corporation amazon okay you are not like tr like if you write something on green sustainability uh you know break down corporations and you're then yourself published i'm sorry you're doing absolutely nothing go to microcosm pitch your book to microcosm they're out of portland oregon joel beale is a brilliant and he doesn't even sell his books on amazon he has sold one of his titles has sold five million copies wow just go talk just go pitch go reach go do the research authors that's what i'd say first don't 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 go, oh, my friend at the back of the room just printed on Amazon, I should too. That is not the way that's going to really change the system. The way that's going to change this actual systemic problem is big authors, celebrity authors, uh, stop signing with the large corporate houses if they don't need the big advance and put their books into independent, really great, awesome, you know, publishing companies. You know, give, a, I would have loved, I joked, Ade DeFranco, love her, huge fan. I'm born in 1977. Her book was published by Penguin on indie labels. I was like, oh my God, if Ade DeFranco had come to me, I would have published her book in a heartbeat. Did she really need that big advance? Or could she, because if she had given me that children's book, Angela Angle, it would have changed my entire business. I would have been able to sell, again, not what Jane Friedman's, chart says my business is based on sales so if right. i had her book it would have upped my bottom line and would have allowed all of my other authors to benefit from that i would love to redevelop my website right that's another fifteen thousand dollars how i don't have angel investors i don't have vc money so do i use that to do my website or am i really using it to invest in my staff right those are the things as entrepreneurs we continually are debating about, right? Where we're gonna spend our resources and what's the best for our entire business. So what I ask of authors across the board, how are you changing the landscape also of from corporate, both corporate publishing as well as Amazon? And I don't have solutions, but I do know that there's a groundswell of really, really great people in independent publishing right now that we know it's got to change. And like I keep saying to myself, the underground is always bigger, right? The underground is always bigger. Um, and so and with mass, massive support, you can you do and we do create change. Um, and so I've been in publishing for 23 years. I've been at the best and the biggest height of publishing, where the four agreements, a tiny little publisher out of San Rafael, Amber Allen, it was on the, a New York Times bestseller list. That is so impossible at this point on so many levels and an entire another podcast of why. But uh, that's the part that I dream about we will get to again right where there and i it's even if it's not my particular title that made that list i want to be part of that movement where helps that author and that large publisher have another four agreements have another power of now you know and and that's why i do what i do every day
and mic drop. Wow. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, wow, Angela, thank you. That was terrific. And I, I so, so appreciate everything you're saying and that you take that you took the time to be here. I, I would love, I know you have a life to get back to, so I don't want to keep you too long, but I was wondering if you wouldn't mind uh, telling anybody who's listening where they can find uh, the Collective Book Studio and where they can find you on social, tap, speaking of social, where where's the best place to locate you? Totally. Oh, by the way, and if anyone's listening, let's let that part, that clip, Isolda, Isolda, right? Isolda, Isolda right. I'm pronouncing it correctly. Let's have that part go viral. You know, like I would love that part to go viral. Anyway, so anyone's listening, if you've got that, let's just get that part viral on social. Um, so it's the collectivebook.studio is my website. Um, I, you know, try to be a little woke or something. Some young people told me I have to do dot studio instead of dot com, but it will go over there if you put dot com. But it's the collectivebook.studio. And there's a submissions page, really, if you're nonfiction author. Um, I love self-help, as you can see. I'm so passionate. I want the next power of now. So please submit. Um, and um, I'm at the Collective Book Studio on Instagram. That And I, LinkedIn is a great place to reach me, my own Angela Engel. We have a linked, LinkedIn page for the Collective Book Studio. But I just encourage people to, um, I'm very, very reachable on LinkedIn in my chats. Um, and so those are all great places to reach us and, and join us on our Instagram. It's really beautiful. It's really engaging. Um, and we really try really hard to support our authors as well as all of our bookstores and our book bloggers on that particular platform. Awesome. And I am going to put all of that into the show notes so that you'll be able to just tap and get to any of that what what angela just said and i'm going to make i decided i'm going to make an audiogram of that little rant that you had and we'll see if we can't get that to go viral that would be awesome oh just, my god i will whoo. post that on my linkedin i have over two thousand followers on my linkedin personally that's my own like i actually my instagram is private for many reasons for for my children mm -hmm. um so if you want to dm me on instagram do it through my business the collective book studio but my uh, LinkedIn is myself. And uh, if you give me that clip, I will put it right there with you with the clip as well. On my, awesome. On yeah, let's let that and I think LinkedIn at that would be really amazing. You know, right, yeah, I, know. I will. I will do it. <laughs> I will totally No, I absolutely will do it. Okay, one one last question before I let you go. And you might remember this question from the last time, but if you don't, that's even better. The, the question is this, if you had an airplane, environmentally friendly, of course, that could skywrite anything for the whole world to see, what would you say? The time is now. And there we go, another mic drop, I love it. I love it, it's true, it really is. That, that, that's all that needs to be said. Angela, I am so grateful that you took the time. And I didn't ask you if you have time to do the little bonus questions that I usually have at the end. So if you do, we'll talk about it in a sec. If you don't, I totally understand. Thank you so much for, for being here and for this incredible conversation. I really appreciate you and your words. Thank you so, so much. It was, it's always fun.
<laughs> I have such a fun time talking with you. This is Zelda Trachtenberg for the Creative Solutions Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, you know you need to go look up the Collective Book Studio, learn more about Angela Engel and the incredible work she and her staff are doing on behalf of authors all over the place. You really should check that out. If you like what you've heard, do me a favor, subscribe, tell a friend. I would love to get more ears on these incredible conversations that we're having. Until next time, as always, I remind you to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in. Thank you.